ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so we had just finished going over the topic regarding seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we had mentioned the aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah is that we will not see Allah in this world but that we will see Allah in the hereafter. As for the innovators, they claim you can never see Allah. And some innovators on the other side say you can see Allah always even in this world. And they are both incorrect. Ahlul Sunnah have stated upon the evidences that we cannot see Allah in this world, but we will see Him in the afterlife. Then, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says, لا ندخل نعم ومعناه على ما أراد لا ندخل في ذلك متأولين بآرائنا ولا متوهمين بأهوائنا فإنه ما سلم في دينه إلا من سلم لله عز وجل ولرسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم ورد علم ما اشتبه عليه إلى عالمه So all of those narrations, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says, that tell us about seeing Allah and other than that, all of these texts, these narrations, these ahadith that we come across, then we accept them as they are, and we do not try to interpret them with our own opinions and our own imaginations. That is exactly what the people of innovation did. They tried to interpret these texts, these ayat, these ahadith, with their own interpretations, their own intellects, their own opinions. And as a consequence, they went astray. Just like you have now, some people they say, if you're going to slaughter on Eid day, then we know the ruling is you're not supposed to take anything from your nails and hair. Hadith in Sahih Muslim. You get some of these people coming along, so-called scholars, and they are misguided. And they tell you, no, that doesn't make sense. What do you mean? You can't cut your nails for 10 days? They can't trim your hair, nothing for 10 days? Doesn't make sense. That's in contradiction to human nature. Ten days you can't cut the nails. Ten days you can't trim nothing. They say, no, no, that hadith, it's not applicable in the same way as it's understood by people. You're allowed to trim, you're allowed to cut your nails. And they give intellectual evidences to reject the hadith that tells you you're not allowed. They say, for example, in hajj, there are certain times during the hajj process, initially you come out of the ihram to a lower level. Then when you finish the other rites, you come out freely, completely from ihram. When you come to a certain level of being out of ihram, you're allowed to have even intercourse. 
This man and these types of people, they use those examples and they say, well, if you're allowed to do that after a certain stage in Hajj, then what's cutting nails and cutting your hair in comparison to being allowed to have intercourse? Surely you're allowed to cut your nails and your hair. Meaning the point is, all of this is their intellect. They say, how could you not cut your nails for 10 days? How could you not trim for 10 days? That can't be right. So they use their intellect to reject the clear hadith. So here, Imam al-Tahawi is telling you from centuries ago, we don't get involved with our intellects and our opinions and our imaginations and what we think is supposed to be right. Rather, we look at the Qur'an, the sunnah as it is, as it explains, and we follow it like that. So we must submit in our religion, submit to Allah. We must submit to Allah and His Messenger, and anything which we're unsure of, anything that doesn't make sense or we can't understand, then we take that back to the people of knowledge. Just like Allah told us in the Qur'an, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the people of remembrance, meaning the scholars, the people of knowledge, if you do not know. So you don't get involved in interpretations and intellect and all these things the people of innovation did. Rather you stick to the texts as they are. If you don't understand something, then go to the scholars Go to the people of knowledge who can explain those things to you. Then he goes on to say, وَلَا يَثْبُتْ أَوْ تَثْبُتْ قَدَمُ الْإِسْلَامِ إِلَّا عَلَى ظَهْرِ التَّسْلِيمِ وَالْإِسْتِسْلَامِ Imam al-Tahawi here now says, that a person cannot become grounded in Islam established and settled in Islam unless he recognizes that he must submit to his Lord. Anybody who thinks they can do it without submission, they can do it with their own intellect and their own knowledge and their own smartness and they can work things out and interpret things. They don't have to submit to what's there as it's there then that type of person will never be grounded in Islam. He will always have whispers and doubts and this and that. So Imam al-Tahawi is telling you, if you want to be grounded in Islam, then you must submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and follow the commandments as they have come. Anybody who can't do that, They want to look at things, no, I can't do that. I need to interpret it in a way to get myself out of having to do it. I I, I interpret this in this way, interpret that in that way, to get the rulings twisted and changed for yourself. Then that type of person is never going to be grounded in Islam. He's always going to be wavering here and there. As you'll see, Imam al-Tahawi is going to mention in a moment. So he says... لَا يَثْبُتْ إِسْلَامُ مَنْ لَمْ يُسَلِّمْ لِنُصُوصِ الْوَحْيِينَ A person who does not submit himself, submission to the revelation from Allah, the Qur'an and the Sunnah, a person who does not submit to that and follow it, and does not refrain from opposing it, 
then that type of person who ends up using his intellect and his interpretations to oppose or to put up a fight against what's in the Qur'an and the Sunnah to please himself and his desires, then that type of person will not be grounded in Islam and established and firm. It's mentioned by Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, one of the famous scholars from the Salaf. He said, من الله الرسالة From Allah is the message, is the revelation. وَمِنَ الرَّسُولِ الْبَلَاغِ And from the messenger is the dissemination. The revelation is from Allah. The dissemination, the spreading of that and the teaching of that is from the messenger Muhammad التسليم. As for us, what's our role in this? To submit to that. Allah sent the revelation. Muhammad spread the revelation upon us is to submit to that revelation. That is the stages. Revelation from Allah, teaching and spreading of it from the Prophet Muhammad us with submission to it. Following that revelation from Allah, following that Qur'an, following that sunnah. And he says, وَالْعَاقِلْ يَعْلَمْ أَنَّ الرَّسُولَ مَعْصُومٌ فِي خَبَرِهِ عَنِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى A person who's actually intelligent, then he'll understand and he'll know that what the Prophet ﷺ has come to us with from that revelation, there cannot be any mistakes in it. It is revelation from Allah. Allah has taught us how to live our lives. What is good for us, what is bad for us. There's no room for your intellect to come along and say, the religion says X, Y, and Z is haram, but um, I've worked out and science and this and that, it's good for you, you should do it. Or the religion tells you X, Y, and Z is permissible, you say, no, no, I've worked out science, medicine, it's not good for you. What Allah has revealed... What Allah has given us, you submit to that and you recognize there cannot be fault in that. There cannot be fault in the revelation. So the intelligent person who's actually intelligent, not like the people of innovation, then you'll realize submission to the revelation is the only way. Because that revelation, there is no error or mistake in it. It is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لَا يَجُوزُ عَلَيْهِ الْخَطَأ It is impermissible, impossible for there to be any mistakes in the revelation. Cannot be mistakes in the revelation. فَيَجِبُ عَلَيْهِ التَّسْلِيمُ لَهُ وَالْإِنْقِيَادُ لِأَمْرِهِ So therefore, it is obligatory upon a person to submit to that revelation and to follow the commandments of that revelation. Then, there are ayat in the Qur'an which highlight this. Highlight the fact that the revelation has come from Allah, and that the messenger then spreads that revelation to the people 
Allah said, for example, وَمَا عَلَى الرَّسُولِ إِلَّا الْبَلَاغِ There is nothing upon the messenger except to spread that, to disseminate that. That's all the responsibility is upon the messenger. Because the actual revelation has come from Allah. The messenger simply spreads that and teaches it. Similarly in another ayah, فَهَلْ عَلَى الرُّسُولِ إِلَّا الْبَلَاغُ الْمُبِينَ Is there anything upon the messengers except to clearly spread and disseminate that? That is what's upon them. Similarly, قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ نُورٌ وَكِتَابٌ مُبِينَ That indeed there has come to you from Allah a light and a clear book. That revelation that has come to you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in many other ayat, tilka ayatul kitabil mubin. They are the ayat of that 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 book, that clear, that clarity in that book. In another ayah, Ma kana hadithan yuftara. وَلَكِنْ تَصْدِيقَ الَّذِي بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ وَتَفْصِيلَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَهُدًا وَرَحْمَةً لِقَوْمٍ يُؤْمِنُونَ Allah says, it is not anything that has been fabricated. This revelation, this sunnah. It is not anything that has been fabricated. But rather to believe in that which has come to them. And it is an explanation of everything. And a guidance and a mercy. For the believing people. So all of these ayat are highlighting to you how this revelation has come to us as a guidance from Allah. And there are no errors or mistakes in it. So then also in the ayah, وَنَزَّلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ تِبْيَانًا لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَهُدًا وَرَحْمَةً وَبُشْرًا لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ that we have sent this book to you as a clarification of everything. And as a mercy and a glad tidings for the Muslims. These are all ayat highlighting the clarity of the revelation that has come to us. And truthfully, that revelation, the Qur'an, the Sunnah, for the one who looks into it and studies it, looks into the Qur'an and what Allah is teaching us in it, looks into hadith and the different ones and what the Prophet ﷺ has taught us from that revelation that came to him, then the more and more it becomes clear to you the way to live your life, the more and more it becomes clear to you what Allah has prescribed is good for you and what He has prohibited is evil and bad for you the more the clarity arises in your mind regarding the purpose of your life, regarding the objective in your existence, the more and more when you gain knowledge of that revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Al-Imam Al-Tahawi goes on to say, فَمَنْ رَامَ عِلْمَ مَا حُضِرَ عَنْهُ عِلْمُهُ that anybody who tries to then gain knowledge of some type or level that is beyond his capacity to gain, وَلَمْ يَقْنَعْ بِالتَّسْلِيمِ فَهْمَهِ And he doesn't 
he's not satisfied and convinced and doesn't submit to understanding of it. حَجَبَهُ مَرَامُهُ عَنْ خَالِسِ التَّوْحِيدِ Then his unachievable objective in trying to get to a level of knowledge that we've not been given. وَمَا أُوْتِيْتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا Allah said you've not been given from knowledge except a small amount. Anybody who tries to delve into an affair greater than what is required and understood, greater than what the Sahaba were upon and stopped at, you try to delve in beyond that, then as a consequence of your actions of delving in beyond what was required of you, you will end up blinding yourself to the reality of the truth. That is what Imam Al-Tahawi says here. By delving in beyond what Allah has required of you, going into interpretations and intellect and philosophy about names and attributes and everything, you will end up blocking yourself from the simple reality. Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says, مُرَامُهُ عَنْ خَالِسِ التَّوْحِيدِ وَصَافِ الْمَعْرِفَةِ the pure, simple understanding, you'll be blocked from it. And that is exactly what happened to the people of innovation. They dug in to a level that was never required of them. To use their intellects and their initiative, their smartness, their all of this interpretation, used it upon the ayat and the hadith to a level whereby they sunk into that, and they could no longer see the clear, blatant truth anymore. That is what occurs, and that's why we've said they have the principle, the false principle that led them astray. قَاعِدَةُ أَهْلِ الْبِدَعِ تَقْدِيمُ الْعَقَلِ عَلَى النَّقَلِ أَمَّا أَهْلِ السُنَّةِ فَنَقُولُ تَقْدِيمُ النَّقَلِ عَلَى الْعَقَلِ the people of innovation, they give their intellects priorities over the texts. They say, if we see an ayah, we have to be able to work it out, calculate it, work it out, and interpret it in our minds. If our minds can't do that with it, then we need to work out some interpretation that our minds will accept of it. Whereas Ahlus Sunnah, we don't say that. We say the narration as it is, what it says, we accept it like that. What Allah is telling us, we will accept like that. What Allah is informing us of, His names, His attributes, etc. It's not a case of my mind has to work it out somehow to fit in here. So I have to interpret the hands of Allah as the power of Allah. Now that works in my mind. That Allah descends in the last third of the night. No, that's Allah sending His angels. That makes sense in my mind more. So now they make interpretations that will make sense in their minds for them. And they put those interpretations on to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And they are led astray. As for the Ash'a'ira and their likes, they think they are smart and they say, no, we don't put any interpretations on. They say, no, we don't do that. We don't use our interpretations on the texts. But as we've explained before, they do what is known as tafwil. They say, we don't put any interpretations on. You say, okay, so you accept what it says there? Yes, we accept what it says there. So you accept Allah says He has hands, He created Adam with His hands. We don't know that. 
We leave that to Allah. So as we said, they claim they are not putting any interpretations on there, but the reality is they're not accepting it either. They're not accepting it. No, we leave that to Allah. We don't know what that means. So you've not accepted anything then. What have you accepted? You haven't accepted anything. You're saying we accept what's there, but when you say to them, so you accept Allah created Adam with his own two hands, as Allah said in the Quran, they say, well, we don't know what that means. We leave that to Allah. So you haven't accepted the ayah. You haven't accepted that Allah created Adam with his own two hands. So this is the thing. Here, the one who delves into affairs beyond what Allah has prescribed for us, you're going to go astray. Simple principles. We do not reject the names and attributes of Allah. We don't distort them with interpretations. Ta'atil, tahrif, la. Tamthil, tashbih, la. We don't make any examples, we don't make any resemblance. Takyif, la. We don't give any descriptions. Accept it as it is. What is mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah, we affirm, Nasifullaha bima wasafa bihi nafsah. We describe Allah with what Allah described Himself with. No need for our intellect over and above that. Now, if they use their intellect, the easiest way to refute that, they say, okay, Allah says He created Adam with His two hands. That means with His two powers. You say, where have you got that interpretation from? Where have you got that tafsir from? Is there a single narration from the Prophet ﷺ with that tafsir? Is there a single sahabi who ever made that tafsir? Never, ever will they find it. So where have they got this tafsir from? These explanations from? From their blind following of their imams and everything else. It hasn't come from the Prophet ﷺ. Hasn't come from the sahaba. Hasn't come from the salaf. They will never, ever be able to find you a narration from the salaf. From the Sahaba saying Allah's hands mean power. So these are interpretations they've made up. And those interpretations of their intellects are rejected. So, Imam Al-Tahawi, he highlights this point here clearly. That if you delve in like that, you will be blinded from the clear truth and from the reality of Iman. Then he says, فَيَتَذَبْذَبُ بَيْنَ الْكُفْرِ وَالْإِيمَانِ that type of person then who gets all philosophical, philosophical about things, he's going to end up wavering, shaking, uncertain between kufr and iman, doubts and whispers coming to him. What tasdiq, what takvib? He's gonna be in doubt. Do I accept that or do I reject that? This ayah, this hadith, this attribute, do we accept that? Do we reject that? He's all confused. وَالْإِقْرَارِ وَالْإِنْكَارِ He's going to be somebody who is under the whisperings of the shaitan, wandering around blindly. شَاكًا زَائِغًا كل هذا كلام الإمام الطحاوي That he will be in doubt and he will be misguided. لا مؤمنا مصدقا ولا جاحدا مكذبا Neither a believer accepting and having iman in that and neither a disbeliever rejecting it All confused and here do we accept this do we not whisperings of the shaitan That's why Imam Al-Tahawi says if you don't understand this aqeedah properly that is the state you're going to end up in Confusion 
But Allah descends in the last third of the night. It says, all of the world, somewhere there's always the last third of the night. So how? Does that mean Allah is always descending? Who told you to go into that philosophy? Who told you where in the Quran and the Sunnah do you find that the Sahaba ever sat there saying, Messenger of Allah? But how come? How does it work? There's always the last third of the night somewhere. Sahaba never asked this question. And do you think they didn't know? You think you're more scientifically advanced than the Sahaba? They didn't know about how the moon works and the sun works and the time zones work. Of course they knew these things. In those days they had experts in astronomy, astrology, all these things. They didn't delve into that because they knew we are not responsible for that. Allah has told us in the last third of the night where you are, last third of the night Allah descends make your dua. You don't need to go into philosophy, but always somewhere there is last third of the night. And how therefore does Allah descend? Is Allah always descending? All that type of thing, you start going into it, your mind disappears from the simple truth that you need to get up in the last third of the night, make dua. You won't even do that. Philosophy, philosophy, philosophy. And you forget the simple fact that actually the hadith says make dua in the last third of the night. This is what occurs. So the person is muwaswasan ta'ihan. Whisperings of the shaitan are upon him. He is wandering aimlessly. That is why it is so important for a person to fully grasp this aqidah and to understand the details of it. Then he says, وَلَا يَصِحُ الْإِيمَانُ بِالرُّؤْيَةِ لِأَهْلِ دَارِ السَّلَامِ لِمَنْ اعْتَبَرَهَا مِنْهُمْ بِوَهْمْ أَوْ تَأَوُّلِهَا بِفَهْمْ إِذْ كَانَ تَأْوِيلُ الرُّؤْيَةِ وَتَأْوِيلُ كُلِّ مَعْنًا يُضَافُ إِلَى الرُّبُوبِيَّةِ تَرْكَ التَّأْوِيلُ وَلُزُومَ التَّسْلِيمُ وَعَلَيْهِ دِينَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَمَنْ لَمْ يَتَوَقَّهْ النفي والتشبيه زل ولم يسب التنزيه هي نعم هي سيز ولا يصح الايمان بالرؤيا لاهل دار السلام لمن اعتبرها منهم بوهم او تاولها بفهم that the iman in seeing Allah, the fact that the people of paradise will see Allah, your iman is not complete in that affair if you have some imaginations or interpretations of it. Because imaginations and interpretations, all of these things, you are attaching them to Allah. If you start imagining how you're going to see Allah, and you imagine how Allah looks like. And you cannot, and you cannot. But if a person has these types of doubts, then he has not understood the iman in seeing Allah accurately. يشير الشيخ رحمه الله إلى الرد على المعتزلة ومن يقول بقولهم في نفي الرؤية. This is really a refutation of the people of innovation now. Because the people of innovation, they have all of these doubts about the seeing of Allah. And they reject the fact that you will see Allah. وَعَلَى مَنْ يُشْبِهُ اللَّهِ بِشَيْءٍ أو يُشْبِهُ اللَّهِ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنْ مَخْلُوقَاتِهِ And also, it is a refutation upon people who compare Allah to creation. He's saying, when we've talked about now how you're going to see Allah, you cannot start to imagine what Allah looks like now in your imaginations. 
You cannot start to interpret and imagine how that's going to be and how Allah... You can't. Anybody who starts to do that, then you're basically imagining things that are impossible for you to imagine. Let alone Allah, there are even things in paradise we cannot imagine. Created things in paradise. In paradise, مَا لَا عَيْنَ رَأَتْ وَلَا أُذُنُ سَمِعَتْ وَلَا خَطَرَ بِبَالِ أَحَدٍ عَلَى بَالِ بَشَرٍ There are things in paradise that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has ever imagined. So what therefore of Allah, the creator of all of that? So he's highlighting here now straight away, don't start to imagine things or interpret things or compare Allah to creation in any way. Do not get involved in those imaginations and interpretations. The Prophet ﷺ when he said, إِنَّكُمْ تَرَوْنَ رَبَّكُمْ كَمَا تَرَوْنَ الْقَمْرِ لَيْلَةِ الْبَدَرِ أَدْخَلَ كَافَ التَّشْبِيهِ عَلَى مَا الْمَصْدَرِيَّةِ الْمَوْصُولَةِ بِتَرَوْنَةِ الَّتِي تَنْحَلُّ إِلَى الْمَصْدَرِ الَّذِي هُوَ الرُّؤْيَةِ فَيَكُونُ التَّشْبِيهِ فِي الرُّؤْيَةِ لَا فِي الْمَرْئِيِّ There was that hadith about how you're going to see Allah just like, just like you can see the moon. And just like you see the sun on a clear day, no clouds. He's highlighting here now, emphasizing it again. Just like the moon, just like the sun on a clear day, does not mean you are comparing Allah to the moon and the sun. Rather it means you are making the comparison in the ease of seeing. The ease in seeing. Not the item being seen. It is about the ease of seeing. Just as easily as you can see the moon on a full night, full moon night, and just as easily that you can see the sun when there's no clouds in the way, then that easily you can see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not that the comparison is how you see the moon, what the moon looks like, that is not the comparison being made to Allah. How you see the sun, what the sun looks like, that is not the comparison to Allah. The comparison here is just to highlight how easy you can see them. You'll see Allah. No comparison of the sun and moon to Allah. So he highlights this again uh, very specifically. And also he says, لِمَنِ اعْتَبَرَهَا مِنْهُمْ بِوَهَمْ اَيْتَوَهَّمَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ يُرَى عَلَى صِفَةِ كَذَا so anybody who starts to imagine that Allah will be seen in a particular way, starts to picture or imagine things, فَيَتَوَهَّمُوا تَشْبِيهًا ثُمَّ بَعْدَ هَذَا التَّوَهُّمْ إِنْ أَثْبَتَ مَا تَوَهَّمَهُ مِنَ الْوَصْفِ فَهُوَ مُشَبِّهُ So when a person starts to imagine things now, you're going to imagine something which is some type of description, some type of comparison. And if you start believing that, in your mind, that's how you're going to see Allah. That's the picture you've made in your mind. Then you're going to end up like the people of innovation, comparing Allah to creation, giving Allah descriptions beyond what Allah has told us. So you cannot imagine those types of things. Or that you give it some interpretation with your understanding, that you misinterpret the issue of seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you say that it is not Allah you will see, uh, and there are other meanings to it. 
ومن لم يتوقع النفي والتشبيه زل ولم يصيب التنزيه that a person who does not protect himself and keep himself clear and safe from comparing Allah to creation or making any resemblance, then that type of person is bound to slip up and he's not even going to have declared Allah free from any type of resemblance or comparison. And these are important principles because there are four main things you have to remember. We do not do ta'atil, we don't reject the names and attributes of Allah. We do not do tahrif, we do not distort the names and attributes of Allah. We do not do takyif, we do not give descriptions to the names and attributes of Allah. And we do not do tamthil, we don't make comparison or resemblance. So here again he's highlighting this point, you've got to keep yourself clear of those prohibitions and allah told us in the quran there is nothing like unto allah in the first four or five sessions we went into detail regarding those there is nothing like unto allah those principles in the earlier lessons we did them remember every week you should be revising all the previous lessons keep in touch go with your book go back look at it revise it that is the way to gain the knowledge properly and to become grounded in it. Then he says, فَإِنَّ رَبَّنَا جَلَّ وَعَلَى مَوْصُوفٌ بِصِفَاتِ الْوَحْدَانِيَّةِ That our Lord, our Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is described or attributed with the attributes of oneness. مَنْعُوتٌ بِنْعُوتِ الْفَرْدَانِيَّةِ Given the attributes of uniqueness and oneness. لَيْسَ فِي مَعْنَاهُ أَحَدٌ مِنَ الْبَرِيَّةِ There is nobody similar or to the like of him from creation. That is highlighted in the Qur'an. قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ اللَّهُ السَّمَدْ لَمْ يَلِدُ لَمْ يُلَدْ وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٌ Say that Allah, He is the one. And then at the end, that He does not have any partner or equal. Say He is the one, He does not have any partner or equal. يُشِيرُ الشَّيْخُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ إِلَى تَنْزِيهِ الرَّبِّ تَعَالَ بِالَّذِي هُوَ وَصْفُهُ كَمَا وَصَفَ نَفْسَهُ نَفْيًا وَإِثْبَاتًا That we affirm to Allah what Allah has affirmed for Himself. And we negate from him what he has negated from himself. And we affirm the oneness and the uniqueness of Allah. Allah created all of this and provided everything, controls everything, without any partners, without any helpers, without any sons, with nothing. On the day of judgment it mentions in the hadith in Al-Bukhari, it will be said to the Jews, what did you use to worship? They will say, Uzair, the son of Allah. And it will be said to them, كَذَبْتُمْ You lied. Allah does not have any partners or sons. It will be said to the Christians, who did you worship? In the hadith in Bukhari it says, they will say, we worship, كُنَّ نَعْبُدُ الْمَسِيحِ ابْنُ اللَّهِ يُقَالُ لَهُمْ كَذَبْتُمْ They will say, we worshipped Isa, the son of Allah. It will be said to them, you lied. Allah does not have صَاحِبَ وَلَا وَلَدْ No partner, no son. 
So they will be declared as liars upon what they were. Here we know, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ Say that He is Allah, the One. Then the next line is one of the most important lines, which we're going to begin with next week. And this is the line, وَتَعَالَى عَنِ الْحُدُودِ وَالْغَايَاتِ وَالْأَرْكَانِ وَالْأَعْضَاءِ وَالْأَدَوَاتِ لا تحويه الجهات الست كسائر المبتدعات that he is free of any direction or uh, uh, any end he is free of any ends or any directions any uh, parts no sides encompass him no angles no space encompasses him this is one of the lines that the Diobandis have a serious problem in understanding. And this is one of their points which they think they can attack Ahlul Sunnah upon. So that point will begin with fresh next week. That is what we'll describe and talk about, inshaAllah ta'ala, from next week's session. Any questions on that so far? Wearing a hat in its default is not a sunnah, it's a custom. However, if a person does certain things due to his love for the messenger and due to him wanting to emulate the messenger, then there is a perspective the scholars mention where you could get reward. So now we know that the Prophet always used to cover his head. So now if somebody said, I want to emulate the messenger in doing that, even though it's not mentioned as a sunnah for the men to cover their heads, but a person says, I want to emulate the messenger in what he used to do there, then perhaps from that angle of your love for the messenger wanting to emulate him, there would be some reward. But you can't say it's a sunnah you have to do that, or a sunnah you have to wear thawb. It is not sunnah. Sunnah is the awrah, cover your awrah. It can be this thawb, it could be other garments that are loose and cover your awrah. Remember covering the aura, it has to be garments that cover the skin underneath. They got to be thick enough, can't see through them. On top of that, they got to cover the shape of your body. Remember that too. The garments that are Islamic, covering your aura, they have to cover the skin underneath thick enough and also the shape of your body. So you can't wear tight clothes basically. Mm. It can be done. However, the scholars, they say, it's not the sunnah and it's not what should be done. What you should do is sacrifice where you live. There's no uh, sunnah to say sacrifice, but my country back home, they are poor. Let me send the money and do the sacrifice there. Scholars, they say no. The sacrifice on Eid day is a, it's a sign, an open sign, an open act to indicate Islam and the act of the Muslims on Eid day. If all of us here now, mashaAllah, with the wealth Allah has blessed the people with, if all of us said, well, khalas, what's the point doing it here? Let's send it back to India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Africa. Let's send it there, poor, in need. 
then that means who's going to end up doing here? Who's going to be doing sacrificing here, spreading meat here? Nobody. So now this act of Islam has become hidden in this land. And people aren't seeing it, and they should see it. The sacrifice happening on Eid day, it should be seen by the Muslims. The meat spread amongst the people. That's the act and the sunnah of Eid day. So if you send it across somewhere else, and here leads, nobody does it now. Everybody says we're going to send it home. So on Eid day, no sacrifice, no meat going anywhere. It's not happening. So nobody sees that happening. That's not good. So the scholars say, for the sacrifice of Eid, do it where you live. And then on top of that, send extra money back to your country for just a charity sacrifice. Your Eid sacrifice, do it here where you live. Then send an extra portion of money for another sacrifice which is just a charity one. Do that. Do that so they can eat on Eid day in your country and they have sacrifices there. But that one for you, your intention, just a charity one. Your actual Eid, Udhiyah, the Eid sacrifice, your intention is here, this one you do. That one extra money just as a charity to your country. No problem, do that. That way you've, you've killed both stones as they say, two, uh, two birds with the same stone. Do two sacrifices, you do your Eid one here, charity one for your country, no problem. So that's what the scholars say you should do, all of them, Shaykh Al-Faymin, Shaykh Fawzan, Bin Baz, everyone. لا لا بأس لا بأس أنت تدفع المال وهو يذبح لك خلاص أنت النويت ها أضحي لا بأس أنت أنت دفعت الفلوس وهو يذبح لك لا بأس if you go to a butcher here like in this country now you go to the jazzar you go to the butcher the butcher you give him the money and you say to him on Eid day you go do my sacrifice for me your intention the niyyah is for you not him, he's the butcher. So the one who can't cut the nails and the hair, who? The butcher or you? You. The butcher can cut his nails, no problem. He can cut his hair, no problem. He's not doing the udhiyah. It's your udhiyah. He is just slaughtering it on your behalf. So you can go to the butcher and if they organize it and they do these things, they can organize it for you, they do it for you. But you're the one doing it. It's your intention. You can't cut your nails. You can't cut your hair. You're paying for it. It's your udhiyah. But he's just going to do it for you on that day. That's no problem. Is there a difference between tashbih and tamthil? Uh, there's a small difference between the two words tashbih and tamthil. Uh, but the scholars, they say, the word you should use when talking about names and attributes and the issues is the word tamthil. Because in the Quran it says, Laysa kamithlihi shayt. So even though tamthil and tashbih are very similar, means making resemblance, but use the word tamthil because the Quran mentions the word tamthil. Or at least a kamithlihi shay. Anything else? Khas, we'll conclude there uh, next week. Huh? Three shares are mentioned, but when you have the udhiya, it's the distribution is allowed between the poor, the family, uh, neighbors. You distribute it generally. The thirds is mentioned. There is a mentioning of the thirds. Third to the poor, third to the neighbors, third to your family. 
That's okay. If you stick to that type of thing, you can do that. It's not a problem. Because there's no call. I mean, in this country, it's very hard to find anybody that's... Uh... Well, in that case, if you can't find it, there's nothing upon you. Give it out to the neighbors, to the friends, to the community, no problem. That's it. The kuffar? The udhiyah. I'm not sure about the udhiyah. Generally, you can give to the kuffar, no doubt. You can give the the meat and the the gifts and the slaughtering and you give them something, no problem. The udhiyah, I'm not sure about the udhiyah. Because this is of course a, a, an act for the Muslims on the day of Eid. To give happiness to Muslims and the poor of the Muslims. And so I'm not sure if the Udhiyah can go to Kuffar. Generally it can. Generally you can give the charity to Kuffar too. Alright, next week then inshallah 7pm.